welcome to episode one of Slaytanic Vercast, the internet's only comprehensive chronological retrospective of the world's greatest thrash metal band, the mighty Slayer. Each week, we dissect a track from their back catalogue by playing through the song, analysing the lyrics, and giving a final appraisal. I'm Mo from France, and to my west, broadcasting from a secret bunker somewhere near Smedic, it's Dr. Lequescence. How you doing, Doc? I'm very well, thank you very much. Um, it's um, getting cold in this part of the world now. Mm. We're, we're, uh, Smethwick is a little further north than you, as well as a little mm -hmm. further west. That's true. Um, and um, I'm probably going to have to resort to more extreme measures to keep the, uh, the chill and the damp out of my secret bunker. Okay, what, what kind of thing? Um, I'm not sure. Um, I hope it will be legal. Mm -hmm. Maybe um, inverted crucifixes, something like that? Um, some inverted crucifixes might keep it nice and warm, actually. Nice and snug. And possibly the occasional goat sacrifice as well. <laughs> okay, it's episode one, and I thought a nice place to start would be exploring our journey into metal. Um, excellent idea. So, Doc, you know, talk me through how you were introduced to metal, and what brought you ultimately to Slayer? Um, very simple answer. Very good mm -hmm. question, very simple answer. One word answer, um, you. Yeah, okay, yeah. Um, yeah, simple as that. Mm -hmm. um, there, were other that there were other things that, that, that consolidated my journey and um, kept, my foot, kept my feet on the righteous path. Mm -hmm. um, but, uh, no, ultimately my, 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 my gateway, um, the, the chap who tied the bootlace around my arm and shot me up for the first time. Uh, mm. That would have been you. Yeah, but, you know, for, for the listeners, uh, me, me, and, me and Dr. Lequestens, we used to play in a band together, and the doc's role was all the rhythm and all the kind of low-end nastiness, and my role was, was kind of a bit of evil melody, basically. Um, and correct. it seemed to work quite nicely. And, of course, a lot of my melodies were very Slayer-inspired, um, I wouldn't call myself a copyist, but, uh, you know, I'd certainly uh, listen to a track or two by, by Slayer, that's for sure. Yeah, so um, it, it's, it's interesting. Um, when you're introduced to something that's by and large new to you mm. or haven't necessarily paid a great deal of attention to before, um, in all aspects of life, in travel, in art, literature, film um, and music, I find it greatly helpful to um, have someone along um, who can sort of, I wouldn't say shepherd you through it or mm -hmm. um, make you listen to stuff, but um, explain what's going on. Because um, if you've never listened to metal, if, if you sort of got to probably age nearly 20 and you've never really listened to metal before, um, it's it's very different from what you might expect and it's very different from what you might have been given to expect as well mm -hmm. so if if your idea of metal had been formed by the sort of sunset strip california atrocities that blighted the charts um in the 1980s we're talking poison motley crew et al et al yes yeah uh, i mean now, honestly, Poison and Motley Crue, I think, are the top of that heap. Mm -hmm. um, they are 
the ones that may actually be worth half an hour or an hour of your time it sure. goes downhill it goes downhill from there and hell has no bottom yeah yeah and, and eventually we find warrant um i would say not even 10 percent of the way down the slope mm. um, <laughs> i think by the time you get to london um then you might be beginning to scrape the bottom of the barrel well, one, one that I remember, and I don't know if this is a false memory, is a band called Rat with a double T. Absolutely. Yeah. Yep. Is, is that real? Yep. Uh, round yeah. and round. Round and round by Rat. <laughs> um, yeah, fab fabulously terrible stuff. Uh, I mean, the chorus, mate, the lyrics to the chorus go round and round, round and round. What goes around comes around, round and round. Wow. I mean, it's inspired stuff. Yeah, absolutely, it is, <laughs> uh, and uh, I mean, it, it, it was the um, it was the healthy politics, mm. uh, it, the, the, the the healthy progressive politics that, that, sure. that impressed me impressed me even more. Um, mm. You know, I mean, the, the, there were there were people there um, who could have taught Andrew Dawkins a thing or two about gender politics. To be honest with you, interesting though that that kind of that kind of music is very seemed. I mean, certainly when you know when 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 I was younger, it seemed that the the people that generally like that stuff was women and yet the you know the attitudes towards women in it was absolutely hateful um i have no explanation either no okay yeah well let's move on from that let's not get bogged down in in, in identity politics quite so early um, <laughs> <laughs> we'll come to that i'm sure later um did you ramp up your interest in metal so did you you know did you kind of get into i don't know like a softer heavy metal or power metal kind of band and then kind of gradually increase the intensity to thrash and death and black or are we your balls deep pretty much straight away um so i think i should probably make the point that my my thing before metal um which continued to be a thing during and alongside metal throughout my life um my thing before that was post-punk oblique stroke indie pop um and i i wasn't particularly alien to horrible noises, um, people who couldn't sing, mm. um, and some of the worst production mm -hmm. um, that people have ever seen fit to call such a thing. Yeah. Um, so uh, I was pretty confident that there was, there was no kind of content or there was no kind of noise that people could get out of their instrument that was particularly going to shock me. Sure. Um, you don't mind a bit of abrasiveness, do you? I don't mind a bit of abrasiveness, no. Um, and uh, I think with, with with sort of characteristic uh, the the understanding of uh, of people that's sort of characteristic of of your nature, uh, you decided a a good starting point would be uh, Angel of Death. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Let's dive in head first, basically. Yes. Yeah. You um, know. I, I, I suppose. I mean, I can't remember my rationale for that. But I imagine it's because I, you know, I kind of knew you. I knew the music you listened to. I knew you weren't intimidated by kind of nastiness. Um, you know, it's the most famous of Slayer's tracks. If you can dig that, you can dig anything they do. So let's find out, you know, let's see what you're made of, basically. And it, it was very much one of those, oh, now I get it, mm. moments. Mm. Um, peculiarly, the Metal Gateways, um, that you will often hear other people of my age talk about. Um, didn't much care for before, didn't much care for at the time, and honestly don't much, uh, don't much care for now. Um, 
at the risk of invoking the wrath of the metal gods, um, Metallica have never done a thing for me at all. Sure. Um, well, I mean, my, my pathway was very different to yours. You know, I think mine was much more organic. Um, you know, because I started, I, I remember my, you know, my, my, my first memories of rock, I suppose we could call it, would be Queen. You know, I remember being six years old, Radio Gaga was on TV, because that was the current song that they had, you know, in the charts, and being mesmerised by it, I bloody loved it. Um, you know, when, when, I, when I, the first album that I bought with my own money was A Kind of Magic by Queen, um, and I, I listened to that. I bought it on cassette, and I listened to it, and, I, I, you know, without exaggeration, until it wore out, um, mm -hmm. just over and over and over again. Um, and then I kind of progressed. I think probably Guns N' Roses were next, um, you know, the escalation, because, you know, it's a bit more spiky. Um, you know, there's lots, you know, there's, there's like swearing and stuff, isn't there? You know, which makes it a bit more um, edgy, I suppose. Um, and, and that debut album of theirs, Appetite, is, is you know, it's a Stone Cold classic. Um, yeah, we'll come back to GNR quite a bit. Yeah. In, but please carry on for now. Yeah, and, and, and then <clears throat> I suppose the next progression would be Maiden, you know. Um, I remember somebody lent me Number of the Beast. Um, and again, you know, just over and over and over again, just hypnotised by it. Um, but, then, but then I did get into Metallica after that. That was the next like, stepping stone for me because it was heavier. You know, I mean, it's, it's clearly heavier. Um, and, you know, the songs are, I mean, maybe not more epic than, than Maiden's, but, you know, but there is like an epic scale to their tracks, especially, you know, in their, in their kind of um, Master of Puppets and Justice for All period. You know, seven or eight minute tracks is not unusual for them. Um, now, correct me if I'm wrong on this. Metallica came to prominence in the UK supporting Iron Maiden. Am I right? Oh, I don't know that actually. No, I'm, I'm not. Much, I'm not like a like a live geek historian. I don't. I don't know how they kind of burst onto the UK scene. Um, but it, it's certainly it's definitely plausible for sure. Yeah. Because Maiden were always um, got supporters of up-and-coming bands. Um, you know, they, they've always made a point of doing that. In fact, Maiden um, really kind of gave Guns N' Roses their break in, in the UK. I think that's... I'm pretty sure that's true. Um, yeah. <clears throat> um, so after Metallica, you know, the, you know, obviously you kind of sidestep into things like Anthrax and... Um, and, and, and then you get, then you got to hit Slayer, and Slayer's a real step up, just in terms of intensity and aggression and speed. When mm -hmm. I first heard Slayer, I think it was Raining Blood was the first album I heard, and it just made no sense to me at all. But you know, but all of my all of my metal friends were telling me this is absolutely fabulous, and just keep trying and persevere. And you know, lo and behold, you know, with you know with a bit of effort, suddenly the the pieces fall into place. Um, one person during their first listen to Rain, they, they bought Rain in Blood, um, they bought the record, um, mm. got it home, and after putting it on, they felt the need to look at the speed control to find out whether they hadn't put it on at 45 RPM by mistake. <laughs> yeah, put it on too quick. Yeah. 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 Because I think at the time it must, you know, it's difficult for us to appreciate, I think, you know, 
Um, because obviously, I mean, I, I got to a, a bit earlier than you, but not much. Um, you know, but but imagine imagine in 1986 hearing that for the first time, it must have been absolutely crazy. Anyway, should we get into today's track? You ready for the sting? Yes, I am. Okay, in this part of the show, we're going to listen to the track of the week. Uh, in this case, it is track number one from Slayer's debut album, Show No Mercy, and the track is entitled Evil Has No Boundaries. Let's go. <laughs> First, legendary Tom Araya scream. Absolutely. Mm, that is a statement of intent, I would say. I would identify three statements of intent in there. Go on. Um, there is the, um, the very, very characteristic uh, Slayer, um, smack the ride symbol and hold it. Sure, the, the, yeah, the stops. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, there's the um, absolutely characteristic... Um, Kerry King uh, tremolo whale. Yeah. Um, and simultaneously the uh, the characteristic Kerry King whale. So we're the, the Tom Araya whale. Tom Araya whale, even. Yeah. So we're off to a good start. Let's go. They certainly do. Um, another three points right out of the box. Yeah. Um, I haven't listened to this album. I haven't heard this album, I believe, since 1994. Mm -hmm. um, Listen to this track um, for the first time earlier this afternoon um, to, in other, just in case I dried up on air, just in case mm -hmm. I had nothing to say. Mm -hmm. um, and I was absolutely astonished by what an absolute breath of fresh air I found it. Sure. Um, I was not expecting, I don't expect greatness from any particularly groundbreaking band's first album. Mm -hmm. Almost all bands need a couple albums at least to get into their stride. If you think about definitive metal bands of the 80s and 90s, um, I, I mean, if you consider something like um, Pantera had like six albums to, before they, they, they produced their, their definitive work, Vulgar Display of Power. Yeah, but I mean, Pantera are a very strange, um, a very strange creature because their first few, their first three or four albums, if memory recalls, are kind of real kind of lightweight, almost like hard rock efforts. They're certainly not full on metal. I mean, maybe power metal at, at, at best. Um, what I can say is, so I've heard, I've only heard the albums that sort of uh, lightweight interlopers like me. Um, have heard. I, I, I couldn't be said to be called a diehard. But anyway, um, I'm used to bands who have a great influence and a great longevity taking a couple of, uh, and I'm also used to there being some curiosity value in 
their first album when they sounded nothing like the sound we came to know them for. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, but I never expect them to be very good. Sure. Um, and I, I listened to this track, the first track off the first album by Slayer, um, and it was like a breath of fresh air. Um, I, don't I didn't find anything cheesy about it. Mm -hmm. um, there's an influence or there's a part of it that I'd never, ever picked up on in my life from this album before. Um, I think it's almost truistic to say that Slayer are credited with being one of the bands who are most influenced by West Coast hardcore. Okay. Um, I've heard them accused of latterly grafting it on as an influence at about the time of the Undisputed Attitude album. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I, it's a funny thing to accuse anyone of, of pretending to be influenced by hardcore. Um, probably at a time when hardcore itself had less relevance than it ever had before. Give, give, give me a couple of names, Rich. Uh, uh, Doc, who, who are you talking about? Hardcore bands. Right. Um, precisely here, um, in the chorus, um, that is Youth of Today and Black Flag. Okay, I mean, Black, Black Flag. I, I, I was thinking Minor Threat as well could be... Would, 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 they, would they fall... Or is that, is that more punk? Honestly, we need to uh, we need to get our dates right here because I mm. think Minor Threat might even post-date this album. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. That's interesting. Um, I think... Um, so... Um, very definitely the cadences in the chorus, mm -hmm. um, where the the guitar is playing in a completely different time to the drums, which is in a completely different time to the vocals. Mm -hmm. That's 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 characteristic Black Flag. Yeah, um, that's kind of that's that's their hallmark. That's kind of something they invented. Um, I was not prepared for it to show up as such an overt influence so early on mm. um, in Slayer. Um, coming out at a time when there are obviously great divisions between the punk and metal communities mm. in the places they came from. Um, yeah. I, I wouldn't have expected them to have embraced such an alien influence so mm. early. Let's press on and see what else we can hear. <laughs> I don't like this kind of vocal cord stretching, you know, reaching the proper upper limits of his range. Um, and it's noticeable, I think, that as we progress through the albums, he drops it pretty quick. Um, I also think there's a very good possibility that if you weren't as good at that or you weren't as trained or you weren't as talented as Rob Halford is, you, yeah. could, really, you could really hurt yourself. Yeah, it sounds painful. You know, uh, as, as, as somebody who's, you know, has been a vocalist in several bands, that sounds like it hurts. Yeah. For sure. I don't think you'd want to set, on tour, set out on tour planning on doing that every night for 12 weeks. No, I don't like it. <laughs> The first solo proper 
of Slayer's career. Let's go. <laughs> Do you know when it's Hanneman playing or when it's King playing? Because I, I, I can't. I don't. I lazily fall back on the perceived wisdom that the quote-unquote proper solos, the chromatic ones, the ones where you can hear the notes, are Hanneman. Mm, sure. And uh, the merciless tremolo bar abuse um, and pick squealing are the Kerry King ones. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, from seeing them live, I... I, I I don't think you're far off the mark, but in terms of like tone on the guitar, I can't really tell the difference. Let's keep going. Now we are about to hear some, if my memory is correct, some excellent stops. Are you ready, Doc? So I am. astonishes me the most coming to the end of it is how much every single essential Slayer ingredient is already there in some mm -hmm. form or another. Mm -hmm. um, this is going to sound like I'm having a bash and saying and after that first track they never got any more ideas. Sure. Um, I'm not saying that at all. They took the ideas, they used them in different ways, they refined them. Um, but there's almost nothing that we would later go on to think of as the hallmarks of Slayer, uh, as, as their, their, their characteristic sounds, um, that are not actually all there in that first track off that first album. Yeah, I, I agree. I suppose the only thing, the only, the only component missing for me would be the, like the single picked melody. You know, yeah. um, you know the, the famous examples, you know, the start of, uh, Raining Blood, the start of South of Heaven, the start of Dead Skin Mask, Black Magic, a, a track that's coming up later on this album. You know, those single-picked individual notes making like a, a dark and evil melody, basically. <laughs> um, that's the only thing that is not in that track, I would say. Um, yeah, I mean, there's, there's a few things that I won't say got dropped, but got downplayed later on. Um, there's the huge... Um, like overshadowing the influence of Judas Priest and um, one that's a bit surprising to me because I, I probably should have thought of it but I never did and Motorhead mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. before mm -hmm. um, I mean I suppose we could say it's 
Motorhead are possibly responsible of leak stroke to blame for the later preoccupation with certain totalitarian regimes of Europe in the 1930s and 1940s. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's but there's no denying that you know, new album in general, and for those who don't know, new album is new wave of British heavy metal. Um, new album in general was, you know, a massive influence on most of these, you know, early pioneering American thrash bands. Um, you know, Metallica were hugely influenced by Diamond Head, certainly. Um, Slayer, it was Priest and Motorhead, I agree. Um, you know, there is no doubt the, the, the British influence carried across the Atlantic. Yeah, and it's something I'm absolutely humbled by. Mm. Um, I sort of always feel the need to put my hand on the back of the, on, on, on the back of my head and go, oh, wow, mm. it's really cool that you're into all that stuff. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and especially, you know, coming from the part of the world that we do, you know, yes. um, it's even more pertinent, isn't it, you know, because, you know, for listeners that may not be familiar with the, with British geography, you know, me, me and the doc are from an area called the Black Country, um, which is, you know, synonymous with Judas Priest, right next to Birmingham, which is, you know, Sabbath, Zeppelin, um, you know, the, the, the influence that... that, that the area that we call home has had on metal is undeniable. Um, any, any further thoughts, Doc, before we move on? Um, so, only to reiterate, really, um, it was absolutely, so after having a long, long, long break from this album, it was absolutely nothing like I expected. Um, mm. I, I expected something far less characteristic. I expected something far less good to be mm. honest with you. Mm. Um, I have still no memory of how the rest of the album um, runs out. Sure. Um, I would be impressed and delighted if my memories of this album, which I chalked up as um, for historical purposes only, yeah. um, if my memories turned out to be completely wrong and if, it, and if it was an absolute belter from beginning to end, I'd be really happy about that. Well, we're going to find out, aren't we, over the next few yeah. weeks. Yeah. Um, Ready for the sting? Okay, and welcome to part three of Slaytanic Vercast. This section we called Evil Speak. And it's where we dissect the lyrics that Tom's generally screaming at us through the speakers. Um, let's start. Evil has no boundaries. So, verse one. Blasting our way through the boundaries of hell. No one can stop us tonight. We take down the world with hatred and style They have the reason we fight Surviving the slaughter to kill it with loss Then we return from the dead Attacking once more now with twice as retreat We can't have this move on our head Blasting our way through the boundaries of hell No one can stop us tonight We take on the world with hatred inside Mayhem the reason we fight Surviving the slaughters and killing we've lost, then we return from the dead. Attacking once more, now with twice as much strength, we conquer, then move on ahead. What are they talking about, Doc? There's a few different layers here. Um, yeah, really? I'm going to talk about multiple layers <laughs> um, in the lyrics of a song from Slayer's first album. I'm not joking. Go on. Um, so, if you ask um, a, a not we, 
a norm. A normal per a, 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 a person with a happy life. Sure. Um, and a relationship and possessions mm -hmm. of their own. Um, yeah, a person with a happy life. Mm -hmm. um, what they know about Slayer. And I think most people of our age know about Slayer. And I think the immediate word is the, 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 the immediate um, psychology, uh, the uh, psychiatric patient response would be satanic. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's interesting because I can't think of many Slayer songs that are overtly quote-unquote satanic. Mm -hmm. And for that matter, I can't think of many thrash bands or metal bands from the 80s um, whose lyrics or whose anything apart from the bassist posturing, which is overtly satanic. But what we have here is something that I think is a bit of an outlier. Um, it's an overtly satanic song. But is it? Mm -hmm. What are you um, telling me? The lyrics we're looking at here, um, I've got absolutely nothing to do with the, and I'm going to sort of snigger while saying this, the <laughs> thought of Alistair Crowley or Anton LaVey. Mm -hmm. It's a very, um, it's a Dungeons and Dragons take on Satanism. Um, it owes absolutely nothing from, let's say, the occult movies of the late 60s or the, late, or, 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 uh, or the early 70s. It owes nothing to the the people who thought themselves to be the intellectuals of Satanism. It has no philosophical context um, at all, um, and superficially, uh, it's a straightforward simile or set of metaphors um, describing the day-to-day -day business of being in a metal band or mm -hmm. being a heavy metal kid. Um, with actually being a mighty muscled warrior of Satan from hell. Yeah. I mean, to, to me, it just reads like, you know, um, an analogous reading of being, a, a, you know, like a nerdy high school kid, um, you know, kind of being bullied by jocks. And you have these kind of fantasies of being kind of stronger and bigger and better than them, basically. Um, and I think that's exactly where it ended up. Yeah. Um, Honestly, I don't know a lot about the socio-political backgrounds of the members of Slayer. Mm -hmm. um, they never look to me like particularly fragile people. That's true. Um, they never looked like they would have personally tolerated being on the rough end of much abuse. Mm -hmm. That's interesting. Yeah, you're right. Um, I mean, especially, um, you know, especially, um, I mean, Kerry, he, you know... It, it, <laughs> he looks like he's up for a rock, doesn't he? Yes, he does. Um, Certainly. And, of course, Slayer fans and Slayer live shows have developed, rightfully, from the few that we've been to, uh, a reputation for being amongst the most antisocial and violent there are. A bit rough. A bit rough on occasion. Let's move on to yeah. the chorus. Yes, evil. I think we should. My words defy. Evil has no disguise. Evil will take your soul. Evil, my wrath unfolds. Now, I'm getting the feeling this is about evil, Doc. <clears throat> you might say so, but um, which of these words actually embrace any, any philosophical or biblical concept of evil? Mm. Um, I mean, maybe taking your soul... 
But I suppose oh. you could say that, you know, look, any kind of religion takes your soul in a way, doesn't it? So, you know, if, if, you're, if you're a good Christian or a good Muslim or a good Hindu, you kind of, you know, you kind of give your soul over to whichever, you know, whichever fictional deity you choose to believe in. I think there is a great deal of Christian litany about um, in, uh, into your care, uh, I entrust my soul. Um, I don't think that, I, I suppose, were there an explicit mention of Satan or Baal or Mammon or something, uh, if the lyrics actually said, Satan will take your soul. Well, um, hang on. Spoilers. Verse two. Satan, the master of the evil man, guide us with every step. Our actions are growing with power and fury, so there'll be nothing else. Satan, our master in evil mayhem, guides us with every first step. Our axes are growing with power and fury. Soon there will there'll be nothingness left. Midnight has come and the leather's strapped on. Evil is at our command. <laughs> I, almost got, I almost can't get through this without laughing. Um, we, cla we clash with God. No. It's too much. Hang on, let's go back. Midnight has come, and it's this line, it's this line, Doc. Midnight has come, and the leather's strapped on. Well, I'm Evil. going to... Have... Let me get through this. Evil is at our command. We clash with God's angel and conquer new souls, consuming all that we can. I mean, that is absolutely hilarious stuff, isn't it? Um, yeah, I mean, this is the point at which I was prepared to say, like, hands up, um, I was mistaken. I completely reversed myself. This has nothing to do with Satan or, my, or, or, or Mighty Metal Warriors. It's actually about lesbian SM. <laughs> it is so homoerotic. It is unbelievable. Um, no, it, it, it's, uh, it's just because um, I misheard, when, when I listened to it this afternoon, um, I... I misheard the, the, the line and I thought it made a reference to a leather strap on. <laughs> I really actually did. Yeah. Um, At the time, I mean, I suppose this, rep, this really demonstrates kind of changing sensibilities in society. Um, you know, I don't believe that they were deliberately being homoerotic. I don't think, but but there is no doubting. You cannot write the line, midnight has come and the leather is strapped on. <laughs> you know, um, in 2020, you can't write that line. But, but I do think that in 1981, you know, perhaps, um, no, 1983 actually, sorry, I've got my date wrong. 1983, um, you know, perhaps there was an innocence to those times that does not exist anymore. I think even in those times, um, I, I think you must have had to have had a tiny bit of self-awareness mm. um, about you. And my evidence for this is how little knee-jerk homophobia um, greeted Rob Halford when he came out. When sure. He came out publicly mm -hmm. uh, I mean people people were not shocked by that announcement people were, uh, it, Judas Priest fans were not horrified 
No, but 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 you know you know I, I think um, you know not not wishing to um, alienate our American listeners, which hopefully we will acquire. Um, you know, but but you know I, I think there is you know clearly still I mean hopefully it's better these days, but at, in the eighties certainly there was still a problem. You know, if if a rock star came out um, as gay, you know, Queen famously um, did not um, do as well once Freddie kind of announced his his homosexuality. You know, it was a big problem for them, but only in America. I would be really, really interested to get a comment um, at the end of this to anyone who is in the US um, at the time. Yeah, um, because it'd be interesting. The, the impression I get is that Judas Priest did not suffer much of a backlash. Sure. Um, I honestly think that by that stage, if you were metal, if you were part of that community, if you were part of that scene, um, you'd probably already experienced enough alienation. You'd probably felt victimized enough mm-hmm. by the Christian right um, and by Reagan era politics. Yeah. Um, to probably really 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 think twice um about doing anything to make anybody else feel lonely and alienated Mm, mm. um this is sort of part of my possibly excessively optimistic worldview um but i've always thought of metal as one of those places where people go who've got nothing else and they can find a home sure And and i think i think it is a very very accepting community um where nobody really cares you know, what you do, what you look like, you know, um, how much you've got, where you live, any of these, none of these things matter. We are, you know, we are a community brought together by our love of the music, irrespective of, of any of any of the other banalities that, that, that the rest of the world seems obsessed by. Um, now, I like the fact that they start talking about axes. Oh, that, very, very unexpected. Um, you know, when I think of axes growing with power and fury, I'm thinking more about kind of fantasy stuff, um, you know, like Dungeons and Dragons, um, medieval shows, you know, Game of Thrones would be obviously like a modern uh, example of this. To me, an axe is not particularly satanic, and yet, and, but, but you know, but, they, but they're, they're they're writing this song to invoke satanism, and their reference is that their, their weapon of choice is the axe. Any any explanation, Doc? I'm going to toy with quadruple meaning here. Um, one of which um, I think was possibly only subliminally meant by the band, uh, but it's a presager of something that's to come in the future. Um, the most obvious reference is the one you've said. It's a, a, a medieval battle axe. Mm-hmm. When the song was written, um, I think Conan the Barbarian had been the sort of surprise monster hit of the year. Mm-hmm. Um, and monstrous, muscly men uh, with, with leather strapped on <laughs> um, and, and wielding mighty axes um, was sort of a, a thing in, in, in 1981 or 1982. Um, it's obviously a metaphor for a penis. It's obviously a metaphor for a guitar. Guitar, I mean, that, yeah, of course, yeah. The penis is true, and, and given like the, the the homoerotic nature of, you know, the, the line two, you know, the line two lines later, maybe that's not an accident. Um, but the one that really intrigues me is 
Um, and I kind of want to go and listen to that one word in the lyrics on repeat, uh, because given Slayer's future preoccupation with um, the the opponents of the Allies during mm. World War II, I want to know if you're supposed to pronounce it as axes. Ah, axes are growing with power and fury. So you think this may be a like almost like a typo in the lyrics, um, or, or or is it just a deliberate kind of double double meaning? Um, it's not a typo at all. It's the correct way to spell it. Yeah. Um, and I, I, I just think it's um, an accidentally cool double meaning. Um, mm -hmm. I mean, you know, I, I, I can imagine um, little Jeff Hanneman, um, or whoever wrote it, um, I assume it was Jeff, um, sat in English class and probably being forced through Milton or something or being forced through some sort of um, English poetry um, mm -hmm. and sort of eventually making sense about the things that, you know, if, if you want your poetry to be literate and clever, um, you've got to try and search for words that don't merely mean the thing you want them to mean, but can mean other things as well. Sure. It, this song is written by both Kerry, uh, Kerry King and Jeff Hanneman. So it, it, it's, a, it's a dual credit for the writing. Who knows who wrote the song, the, the music and who wrote the lyrics. Um, following this second verse, we just get a repeat of the chorus. Um, and that's the end of the track lyrically. Um, it's not the most sophisticated um, piece of writing. I like it. It, it, it totally fits with the music. Um, it, it, you know, it, it's quite, it, it's visual. You've got, you know, it paints images in your mind. Um, for me, it's for good stuff. For a band early in their career, um, it has a thing about it that I admire greatly from um, any artist in any medium at any time, which is ambition above ability. Mm -hmm. um, the skills, in any part of what they're doing on this track are not full honed yet. Mm -hmm. um, and that includes their lyrical skills as well. Yeah. Um, but they're, um, they're making serious attempts with the visual poetry of the English language. Um, they're making very serious attempts with um, metonymy um, and, onoma and onomatopoeia, mm -hmm. um, which is to, to make noises with their musical instruments mm. um, that are somehow redolent um, of the concepts they're attempting to invoke with the lyrics. Sure. Um, it's, it's a bit clumsy, but the clumsiness is charming rather than face palming. Um, I can't help smiling at the line, surviving the slaughters and killing we've lost, then we return from the dead. <laughs> yeah. I, I, just really want to, I just really want to say it like that, then we return from the dead. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I went to the supermarket, then I went to school. Yeah. Yes. Oh, yeah. No, I get it. Um, let's draw this bit to an end, unless, unless you have any final thoughts on the uh, on the lyrics, Doc. Um, in your opinion, um, who is the possessor of the, the the wrath here? Evil, my words defy. Evil has no disguise. Evil will take your soul. Evil, my wrath unfolds. Um, who, who is who is the protagonist whose wrath is unfold is, is is unfolding here? Um, well, I still maintain that this is the angry vitriol of like a bullied person at school. Um, and so I think that the, the, the wrath being unfolded is by the is by the bullied against the bully. 
I've toyed with this idea too, and once again, it's another theme I'm going to come back to many times during Slayer, um, because it's, from your point of view, a possible reading is almost like the revenge fantasies of the kind of kid who, not very far in the future of this album being released, would go on to commit school shootings. Well, it's the Columbine kids, isn't it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. You know, but, um, but, but this is channeled in a, in, a, in a really healthy way, you yes. know, with imagination and, and wit and, you know, and, and, and just purging that, that kind of negative energy in a creative way. Um, yes. You know, whereas obviously, you know, those, the, you know, those guys, you know, chose an, an altogether different path. Absolutely. You know. um, so I want to leave that part there because uh, I'm, I'm, I'm very far from done with that particular subject. I'm going to be coming back to it. A lot. Well, you know, we've, we've got about another 120 episodes to go. So there'll be That's plenty right. of time for you to espouse your theories, Doc. Don't worry about that. Are you ready for the sting? Yes, I am. Welcome to part four uh, of the podcast. This section we call Final Command. And it's just our wrap-up thoughts, really. Um, anything, anything you wanted to comment on that, that, that we haven't already covered, Doc? Um, the big surprise for me was the thing I mentioned in about the first 10 minutes. Um, listen to this track for the first time in a very, very, very long time and still can't quite get over um, the same three points. Mm. How refreshing I found it. Um, how much fun it was, how mm -hmm. enjoyable it was to listen to, and how just about everything that's going to be Slayer in the future, with the couple of exceptions that you mentioned, and one um, that I haven't mentioned and I won't yet, mm -hmm. but at least 70 to 75% of all of, of all of the elements that everyone knows about Slayer are right there in that first track on that first album. I like your little teaser there, Doc, that you just tantalised us with something for the future. Very good. Um, I think you make a really interesting Sorry, point. Um, is this the point where, to be a postmodern podcaster, am I supposed to say, do you see what I did there? Yeah, absolutely. Do you see what I did there? Yeah. yeah. There's a word for this, isn't there? Isn't it like, um, it's a call forward, isn't it? Not call back, it's a call forward. Like a yes. promise of things to come. Um, yeah. I think... Um, oh, man, I lost it there, man. That's all right. Um, That's okay. What was I going to say? What was I going to say? Um, let me make a note, man. This is any point. You were talking about that it sounded... Oh, yeah, you were talking about how it sounded fresh, weren't you? Yes. And, yes. It, and it sounded, you know, surprisingly like a breath of fresh air. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I'd, one thing I've noticed is a lot of thrash from the 80s and the early 90s now sounds less dated than it did 10 or 15 years ago. Um, it's gone through like a, a curious transmutation, um, you know, kind of post-thrash stuff, like The Haunted, for example, um, really started to make some of the old guys sound really old-fashioned. Um, but, 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 but I think we're now far enough away from post-thrash that, we, again, we're listening to this stuff in the 80s with fresh ears again. Um, it's a curious transition. Um, I've got a whole bunch of theories 
about this. Uh, too many to dump on you right now, but um, the pertinent one that springs to mind is if you went for Metallica or if you went for any other classic thrash band from mm. the mid to late 80s, mm -hmm. probably went there because um, it was the hardest and fastest thing that there was available to buy. Um, and you would have been prepared to move on from it once something faster and and more brutal um, appeared. I suppose um, that's true. Yeah, so, yeah, you just kind of, you know, got to progress along the curve. Yeah, um, and it's only probably later um, that, and I, I think probably if you listen to um, Madhouse by Anthrax or something when mm. it first came out, mm. you probably move on from its fastness and heaviness pretty quickly. Um, having completely neglected all of the things that would draw you back to it. Mm -hmm. Because the people you ditched Anthrax in favour of would have been the people who had nothing to offer but fast and heavy and brutal. Mm -hmm. um, and that's what they set out to do. No groove, and, no dynamics, no soul. Right. Yeah. Um, no wit, mm -hmm. um, no intelligence to speak of. Yeah. Um, and that's what you can go back and mine out of... Um, the big four thrash bands, yeah. uh, the big four death bands. Mm. Um, they're worth revisiting to mine stuff out of them that you didn't get or you weren't interested in the first time round. Sure, yeah. So, <coughs> let's get the scores on the doors. Yes. How many swords, Duck? Out of 666 swords or? Well, I, let's go for a standard 10. It gets too complicated otherwise. All right. Um, you know, um, I never give tens and I never give zeros. Mm -hmm. um, I've got to imagine that I don't know what heights are to come and I don't know what depths are to come. Mm -hmm. um, honestly, hearing that for Go Go Second Time Virgin, pretty much the first time, mm -hmm. um, I'm going to give that seven out of ten. So seven liquescent swords out of ten. Yes. Yeah. I'm going to match you. It's getting seven most mutilated schools out of 10. Absolutely correct. So I think that about does it for this episode. Join us next time when we will be discussing the next track, which is the Antichrist. I look forward to it, Dr. Lequescence. See you then. You need to know. <laughs> <laughs>